Well, before we dive into this, two things I want to tell you about. Um, one, I'm going to do my best to get through it. Um, still kind of got a bit of a scratchy throat, so we're going to see if we can make it all the way through this today. Um, and if you can't hear me by the end, well, I, all I know is I'm not doing as bad as Joe is. So, um, yeah, talking to him, boy, he's got some bass today. That voice is scratchy. Oh, yeah. Um, anyway, so, yeah, so I'm going to do my best to make it through this. Second thing, um, last night, last night I kind of read through notes, um, like I typically do on a Saturday night. And uh, as I read through, I thought, I don't know if I can preach this. Um, not because I had questions about whether I understood the text or didn't understand the text, whether or not I really broke it down right. I had nothing to do with it. I'm very confident. I spent hours poring over it. I felt good about it, and I feel like I know what it says and know what I need to do as a result. Um, the problem I had was I'm not very good at doing it. Um, so this one was pretty convicting, um, and I kind of wrestled, and I thought, you know, I might just scrap this thing, so it's 10 o'clock on a Saturday night, and I'm thinking, I'm just going to scrap it and start over, and um, yeah, I decided probably not, because really, what I came to, what I came to realize is, um, it doesn't really matter which passage we open to, and we talk about, I'm an imperfect man, and I don't do it well. Um, <laughs> you ready for the understatement of the day? I, I have some glaring flaws. Gla- it's true. Um, I have some glaring flaws. Um, but today, I, I warned you all last week that we were going to talk about marriage for a few weeks. And uh, it, the reason this is so hard is because today I'm going to address wives and I'm going to address husbands. And um, my wife is in the room, which means that anything I say, she knows where I struggle. Um, and... Trust me, there are plenty of areas where I screw it up. Um, so my, my disclaimer today, which I don't care if you like disclaimers or not, I'm just, I just want one, okay? This last one, okay? Um, understand, please, that I'm going to tell you, I'm going to do my best to tell you what God's Word says that we should do. I have yet to perfect this. Um, I'm nowhere close to getting this right. So um, you can call me a hypocrite if you want. I'm just doing my best to tell you what God said. Um, so that's, that's where I'm at today. And I'm going to do my best to work through this. So we're going to talk about marriage again today. Um, and in case you missed the memo that we were going to be talking about that for a few weeks, I'm sorry, it's awkward to leave now. So, um, yeah. Anyway, so we're going to talk about that for at least, at least this week. And the next week we're going to get some hard stuff like divorce. Um, so be prepared for that. I hope you all are here. Um, not so that I can beat up on anybody, but because we're going to open God's Word and see what it says together. Uh, so, there we go. Um, and last week, last week, what we tried to do is, instead of walking through Matthew and just starting where Jesus picks up, is we went all the way back to Genesis chapter 2, and we tried to build some foundation for marriage so that we could then talk about New Testament principles for marriage. And then, next week, of course, we're going to talk about how marriages might be dissolved. So, the problem... The problem I had last week was I know that there are at least some, at least some, that only heard what they wanted to hear. Um, <laughs> so I'm not going to call names, but uh, there, there was somebody I was talking to after last week, and they told me, all I heard was, I am a gift to my husband. That's all I heard. And I thought, man, I screwed this up. Um, <laughs> understand, understand, I don't set out with the goal of making people angry whenever I preach. I don't set out with that goal, um, but the truth is, if, if I do a good job at my job, 
y'all are going to be a little uncomfortable from time to time. Um, and it's probably going to rub you wrong sometimes. Um, so whenever I hear that everybody agreed with what I said last week, I thought, did I do my job right? Um, because really, whenever we open God's word and we hear what he says, and we hear what he says, it rubs against what we will naturally want. It rubs against, honestly, it rubs against our worldview because we are naturally skewed. We have this thing called sin that distorts our vision. So it's hard to see. And then whenever we start looking at God's word and it says something that goes against what we, what we want to be true or what we feel to be true, then we've, we get a little uncomfortable. Um, it's not always pleasant. So as I was thinking about this, I, I did. I, I went back to what, um, something that Matt Miles talked about a couple weeks ago. And some of you are probably thinking, well, Matt Miles said a lot in a couple, in a couple days. Um, he said an awful lot in just a few days. Um, so which thing? Well, he talked about worldview. And the way he kind of described that, or maybe this is my definition that I imposed on Matt, I'm not real sure, um, but it's kind of a lens through which we look at everything else. That's what a worldview is in the simplest terms. It's a lens through which we look at everything else. And you all get that idea, right? You put blue glasses on, it tints everything you see blue. You put green glasses on, it tints everything you see green. Um, uh, Lisa smiled, and I think it's probably because there's a book that I'm reading that's actually hers called Love and Respect, and he talks about blue glasses and pink glasses, and it tints everything that we see. Um, and we do. We look at everything through a particular lens. Um, and he mentioned that. Now, we need to refocus through the lens of the Bible. See, we oftentimes distort, our, or our vision is distorted, or we look away and we start to look through a different lens, whether that's a cultural lens, whether that's a here's what my family says kind of lens, or here's what my best friend says kind of lens. Um, we all have a lens through which we look at everything else, and we need to refocus so that we're looking at a biblical lens. Um, and one of the things that Matt said that really stuck with me, um, that, and I don't even think he meant for this to be a big thing, but he said something that really kind of, it hit me. As, of course, he was talking about it in the context of creation. But he said, if the only thing that we had to go on, the only thing that we had to go on was this book. If this was it, what would you believe? If this was the only thing, because we say we want a biblical worldview. We say we want to be Christians, which means that we'll, under, or we'll trust what God has said. And if that's the case, then if this is the only thing that we have to go on, what are we going to believe? Okay? And I thought about that in the context of marriage. In the context of marriage, if this book is the only thing that we have to go on to tell us about what marriage is and how we're to act within a marriage, what are we going to believe? Um, so I want you to understand that as we dive into this today, there's some of you that this is probably going to rub a little funny. Uh, it's probably going to make you uncomfortable. You may not even like it. And honestly, I don't know that I care. Um, if you don't like it, my question to you is going to be, is it just Jared giving his opinion and it's ticking me off, or is it that God's word is rubbing against my worldview in a way that I don't like? Um, my, my goal today is just to tell you what God's word says. Um, because again, if I try to tell you that this is what I do, well, I'm probably going to screw it up. So yeah, do as I say, not as I do kind of thing today. Um, so, last week we started by trying to lay this biblical foundation, how in the beginning God made the man and he built the woman, both in his image. One other thing that I don't know that I did a good job of articulating last week, man and woman, both made in the image of God. You go back to Genesis chapter 1, whenever God creates him, he says that they were made in his image. Man and woman created in the image of God. 
Now, he made them different. They were similar in some ways. And it was obvious to the man, whenever he sees her, he says, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. He knows that this woman is like him. Yet there are also some glaring differences, some obvious differences. And we saw how God made mankind distinct from creation, made distinction between man and woman. And uh, hopefully you all saw how we're made for intimacy. We're made for close, intimate relationships. So we need to keep that foundation in mind now as we now shift from Old Testament to New Testament. So we're going to fast forward all the way to Ephesians chapter 5. So if you'd like to open your Bible with me, and I hope that you will, Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 22 today. Uh, And you know what, let's go ahead and read it. Would you all stand with me out of respect for reading God's Word? Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 22. Here's what it says. It says, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Because the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it, just as Christ does for the church, since we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This mystery is profound, but I am talking about Christ and the church. To sum up, Each one of you is to love his wife as himself, and the wife is to respect her husband. Thank God for his word. You may be seated. Would you pray with me? Lord, your design for marriage is perfect. Um, Your design for man and wife, for husband and wife, is perfect. Um, Father, I pray that you would forgive us that you would forgive me for distorting the picture that you've placed in us. Um, Lord, I pray that you would help, help us to better understand this and then to better apply this to our lives. Um, Lord, I thank you for your word that you correct us where we need to be corrected. And um, Lord, regardless of what our culture says, I pray that we would go off of what your word tells us. So Father, today I pray that you would challenge us where we need to be challenged, that you would encourage us where we need to be encouraged. Um, Lord, and that you would rebuke us where we need to be rebuked. Um, So, Lord, I pray that you would help us to be more faithful as we look at marriage today. Um, I pray that you would move in us and that in the end, we would not only see how we interact with one another, but we would also see how we reflect you, even with our marriages. Uh, So, Lord, I pray that you would help us today, and I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So today's going to be a little bit different. The layout of this sermon is a little bit different than what I typically write. Um, I kind of set it up a little different. Um, And today I'm going to kind of preach three mini sermons in one big sermon. Um, And I'm going to try to keep it relatively short. So we're going to rush through this just a little bit and say rush. We're going to go fast is what I'm saying. Um, So my goal is to keep moving as we go through these parts. But um, the reason I want to do it this way is because I think the main part of this is pretty simple. Um, If you read through this, you're going to see kind of pretty easily what Paul's talking about. I I don't think it's 
I don't think it's too hard. I think most of you all can pick this up. You're smart people. Um, I think that as you read through this, you're going to see what Paul's telling, telling them to do is wives to submit to husbands, husbands to love their wives, and everybody reflect Christ in the church. I think it's pretty clear that that's what he's talking about here. So because I don't think it was that hard to pick out, I wanted to focus on some of these subtopics just a little bit. Um, now, what I don't want, what I don't want is for husbands to only hear their wife's part, for wives to only hear their husband's part, um, but instead what I want is for everyone to hear the whole. I want you to understand both angles, both parts of this. Um, because the way this breaks down is Paul gives some pretty clear instruction to wives, to husbands, and for the whole church. Um, now, I don't know if you all know this, but you're, you're in a church service, um, and if you call yourselves Christians, then you're a part of the church. So this has some pretty important application for us. So what I want us to see are these three reasons for wives to submit to husbands, two reasons for husbands to love their wives, and all of it is going to come from one glorious picture of Christ and his church. Okay, One glorious picture. All right. So we'll start with the reasons for wives to submit to their husbands. And, and really, I think that this is, this, is, this is clearly the point of this first section. Um, you read verse 22, and it doesn't make it terribly complicated. Paul writes, wives, submit to your husbands. I don't think it's overly complicated. Now, two things uh, before I ever dive into this. One, I, I'm going to struggle with this a little bit because I don't know if you all know this. I have never been a woman or a wife. Um, it's just not really in my wheelhouse, um, not something I can do well. Um, so I always feel awkward whenever I do this part because I, I don't know what that feels like. I, I don't know what that means to be, well, I mean, I guess I know what it means because God tells us what it means, but you all know what I mean? Like, I'm looking at everything through my blue goggles, okay? So I have a hard time understanding the pink side of things. Y'all tracking with that? So that's my first part of this. I do struggle with this just a little bit. Um, Second, second reason I struggled with this just a little bit this week was because I don't want to just say, wives, submit to your husbands, and then not tell you what that looks like in practice. I don't want to do that. Um, so I actually, this week, I, I talked to Steph about this. I said, hon, I'm, I'm really struggling here. Like, what do I say to the, like, how, what does this look like in practice? Like, how does this actually look? And I'm going to try to give you an example here in just a minute. But I, I struggled to come up with a lot of good concrete examples of what it means for a, a wife to submit to her husband. And, and I think there's a reason for that. And I think it's because, really, I think we all know what submission is. Paul doesn't take time to say, oh, here's what it looks like for, or here's how a wife is to submit to her husband. He just says, wife, submit to your husbands. Uh, and he doesn't elaborate. Like, just... Submit to your husbands. And I, I heard that, and I'm like, well, how? Well, he doesn't elaborate. And I think it's because we know what submission is. We, we do. Like, you know what it means to submit. You all have authorities in your life. Everybody does, right? You all have authority, and you have to submit to those authorities, right? Um, whether it's at your job, you probably have a boss. And some of you are thinking, I am my own boss. I will submit to myself. Um, yeah, I bet you will. Um, so you all have a boss, or you, you've been a child at some point, you've had a parent, or you have children, and you watch how they submit to authority. Um, there's always an authority in somebody's life. And we know what it means to submit to that authority, right? Like, somewhat, somewhat intuitively, we know what that means. Um, it really, the word submit here, it's actually not found in verse 22, which is funny, because in our English translations, it is there. It says, wives, submit to your husbands. Instead, he's carrying on from verse 21, and clearly carrying on with this idea of submission. Wives submitting to husbands. Um, so, 
So here, as he's talking about submission, it's this Greek word, hupotasso. And I've talked to you all about this before because it's a, it, it's a fun word, first of all, to say. Everybody loves saying hupotasso. It just it rolls off the tongue right. Um, but it, it literally means to place oneself in the proper rank. That's what it means. It's a military term, to understand your rank, to place yourself in that proper rank, or to place yourself under authority. And that's what this word is. And God's word tells wives to submit themselves to their husbands. Now, understand, there is unity between husband and wife. Right? I don't want to make it out as if they are an equal. That the husband is, husbands, you are greater than your wives. Because that's not what God's word is teaching here. That's not it at all. Instead, what we're talking about is unity. And just like in my body, my head controls what the rest of my body does. My head is the authority over my body. We are united. Like husband and wife should be one. But even within that one entity, there's still a God-given hierarchy. There's still a, an authority in that body. Okay, so there are certainly different roles between husbands and wives. Okay, so before we ever talk about before we ever talk about men, before we ever talk to this about men, uh, and trust me, I'm going to be plenty hard on our men here in just a minute, um, which I think is funny, by the way. I, I always think about Father's Day sermons and Mother's Day sermons, and you know how different they are? Mother's Day sermons are always like, moms, we love you. You are so amazing. You are so great. You guys are the best. You are a gift from God to us. And then you get to Father's Day. It's like, men be better. Um, I always thought that was funny. It's just a funny dynamic. So anyway, before we ever get to men, and I'm going to be plenty hard on our men, I want to pose the question. I want to pose the question. I always do this in premarital counseling. I ask the same question. What's harder, to love or to submit? Which one is harder? Because typically we read this, and, and I've heard people say, well, yeah, wives have it hard and they have to submit, but husbands have the harder time because they have to love as Christ loved the church. And I disagree. I don't know that love is harder than submission. I think that they are about it equally as difficult. Especially whenever we have to rewind all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, okay? In Genesis chapter 3, um, you find the, the fall of man, right? The first sin in the Bible, and then God issues this curse, right? He, he declares what's going to happen now. And whenever he gets to the woman, one of the things that he says to the woman is, is your desire will be for your husband, yet he will rule over you. Now, we also have to understand, God's, God's giving these rule, roles in the marriage relationship is not bad, like, male headship, that's, that's, that's a good thing. If you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, right? God created all things, and then at the end of that, in uh, Genesis one thirty one, I believe it is, and this might be out of order, Steve, uh, but I think Genesis one thirty one is in there. God looks at everything he's made, including husband and wife, in that order, and he says, it is very good indeed. So God's given roles within a marriage, it's, it's good. It is good. So whenever he issues this curse and says, your desire will be for your husband, yet he will rule over you, that doesn't mean that that order is bad. It's not. Instead, the problem there is now there's this desire within a woman to usurp her husband's God-given authority. There's going to be that natural desire. So submission, especially within the marriage relationship, it's going to be hard. It's going to be, like, really hard. You're not, wives, you're probably not going to want to submit to your husband's. Certainly not in everything, as Paul writes here. You're probably not going to want to. And I get it. Your husbands are boneheads, okay? Um, I love our men, but I told you I was going to be hard on y'all. But anyway, um, so it is difficult. They are equally as difficult. To love and to submit are both very hard. Now let's get to the biblical reasons to submit to husbands, okay? Um, I think it gives us three here. And the first of these is out of an obedience to Christ. 
Okay, why should you submit to your husbands? Well, out of an obedience to Christ. Verse 22 says, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Now, one more thing before we actually talk about this. Um, what I want you to recognize is that this is wives submitting to husbands. Not a general women submit to all men. That's not what this says, is it? It says, wives, submit yourself to your husbands. Okay, and this has been abused time and time again to I believe, to oppress women, um, and I have a real problem with that. Because that's not what this says. It says, wives, submit to your husbands. All right? So there. Let's get past that. All right. And the question is always, what if my husband isn't leading or loving the way that God has told him to? Do I still have to submit? And my answer to you is yes. Yes. As long as his leadership isn't causing you to be unfaithful to a higher authority, namely to God. And why should you submit to him? Well, because, really, submission to your husband is only marginally about your husband at all. Like, he's kind of on the outskirts of this whole thing. You're to submit to your husband, not because of your husband, but because of God, because of the Lord. Your submission to your husband has everything to do with your obedience to God. Now, how are we to submit? How are wives to submit to the Lord? How are we as Christians to submit to the Lord? Only whenever we want to? Only when we feel like it. Only when we like the direction things are going. I hope you caught that. That's all sarcasm. That's an an obvious no, right? That's not it. No, we submit to God because, well, he's God. He's the higher authority. We do what he's commanded us to do. And in the same way, why do wives submit to their husbands? Well, they do so out of a reverence and respect for the Lord. Now... Um, as I was thinking about this this week, I happened to talk to one of our teenage girls Friday, um, and I told her, I said, now this, this submitting to your husband as to the Lord, um, this is a really good reason to make a very good choice on who you even consider marrying. So I'm going to talk to our teenagers for just a moment. Um, girls, oh, I love you guys. You guys are great. Um, you guys are awesome. Um, be very selective about who you choose to marry, if you choose to marry. Be very selective. Because one thing that you want to make sure that you can do is that you can submit to whoever you choose as you would submit to the Lord. Okay? It's very important that you are selective. So be extremely. And here's why. Because the Bible says you are to submit to your husband as the Lord. So you better make sure he's the kind of man that you can submit to. Okay? So wives submit to husbands, first of all, out of an obedience for Christ. Obedience to Christ. Second reason wives are to submit to husbands is because of the headship of the husband. Because of the headship. Okay, verse 23, it says, A husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Now, the reason I say this might rub some people wrong is because this is a wildly countercultural idea. It goes against everything our culture will say. Even among some of our, even among some of our Christian brothers and sisters, they'll, they'll rub against this. There's a tendency to deny distinction between man and woman and suggest that men and women are totally the same and can serve interchangeably in various roles. That there is really no distinction. The men and women are to be the same in every way. You all know that men and women aren't the same? <laughs> Some of you are like, no, duh. <laughs> I'm very glad that men and women are not the same. Um, and here it might be helpful. It might be helpful to look at what Paul wrote elsewhere. So that way we can better understand this idea of the husband as the head. Um, so if, if you want to turn there, that's fine. You don't have to. It's going to be up here on the screen. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I'm just going to pick out three verses here because I think they're helpful. Uh, Paul writes this here. 
He says, but I want you to know that Christ is the head of every man, and the man is the head of the woman. For man did not come from woman, but woman came from man. Neither was man created for the sake of woman, but woman for the sake of man. See, again, this is after God created everything and declared it was good. This is before there was sin. God created man, then he created woman. God did not create the man for the benefit of the woman, but the woman for the benefit of the man. Y'all tracking with that? That's his order in creation. Now, what Paul has established here, or what he has understood here, is that God created things in a particular order for a particular reason. And he links this, this husband's as head to God's design in creation. He says, why should wives submit to husbands? Because God ordered it in the very beginning for wives to submit to their husbands. He created the wife for the sake of the husband, not the other way around. See, wives, if you're looking for a good reason to submit to your husband, well, here's, here's in my opinion, here's the big one. Because God's good design for you, God's good design for you included your husband as your head. Again, part of his good design. Why should you submit to your husband? Because that's part of God's good design. So submit to your husbands out of obedience to Christ because God's good, because of his good created order. And then the third reason I think he gives is because of the model of the church. The model of the church. Verse 24, he says, Now as Christ submits, or as the church submits to Christ. Christ doesn't submit. Boy, that was a bad slip. Woo. Come on, Jared. Verse 24. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. Okay, you all tracking with that, right? The church submits to Christ, like our Savior. We submit to him in everything. Okay? And that's the same way that wives are then to submit to their husbands. And some of you might be thinking, that's some really strong language. And I'm sitting here thinking, yeah, I know it's some really strong language. Because he's making a very strong point. Very strong point. It's significant. We should, anytime somebody compares something to Christ and his church, we should probably listen a little bit. And that's what Paul's doing here. Christian wives should be radically committed to the leadership of their husbands. Not because their husbands are always going to be great leaders. But because with their submission to their husbands. Wives, with your submission to the husbands, you are reflecting what you think about Christ in the church. You're reflecting what you think about that. And the church should be radically committed to the leadership of Christ. Which we're going to talk about more here in just a moment whenever we get to this glorious picture. But notice that Paul says the wives are to submit in everything. In everything. Okay. I want to talk about that for just a minute. Is there ever a time that in everything doesn't mean in everything? Does that question make sense? If it makes sense, give me a thumbs up or something, because I'm not sure y'all are awake. All right, some of you. Does that make sense? Okay. It does in everything not always mean in everything? And I would say yes. Actually, it does. Okay, so let's just, let's give a hypothetical. Let's say that you have a really poor husband. All right, and some of you, don't, don't look at your husbands right now. That'd be bad. Uh, super awkward. I just saw somebody do it, and I wish I hadn't. Um, let's just say you have a really poor husband, and he leads you in a direction that would cause you to be sinful. Should you submit to your husband in that? I will say no. Because, again, you have a higher authority. Um, and here's another pretty, what I think is an extreme example, but all too common, unfortunately. What if a husband is abusive, physically abusive? Does the wife have to submit to that and just go and submit herself to that over and over and over again? Absolutely not. 
Because at that point, the husband has vacated his position as her husband. He has already broke that marriage relationship. So there's my input on that. So no, I don't think in everything always means in everything. Um, Here, let's understand the context. Within that marriage relationship, assuming the husband is leading in a direction that is not sinful, he is not abusive in that relationship, wives are to submit to their husbands. According to God's word, that's the way this marriage relationship should work. So, wives submit to husbands because Christ commands it, because God ordained husbands as the head of their family, and because your submission should reflect the model of the church's submission to Christ. So there's three reasons that you submit, should submit to your husbands. All right. Now, two reasons for husbands to submit, or to submit. Whew. Man, I'm struggling to talk today. Husbands, love your wives. Husbands, love your wives. Here's two reasons for it. Before we get to that, again, I'm terrible at this, y'all. Um, I struggle, and I'm very thankful for a gracious wife. Um, and I'm going to be hard on husbands for just a minute because I-, I want you to understand that you have a very, very important role, and I don't think I can oversell the role that husbands play or that fathers play in their families. I don't think I can oversell it. Um, so, one thing I do want to say before we get to these reasons is this. Male leadership does not mean that you get to be a domineering jerk who demands that your wife submit all the while you do everything out of selfishness. That is not what that means at all. Um, Not even close. I I know a lot of husbands that are like, yeah, I know it says, wives, submit to your husbands and everything. That's right. I got this made now. Oh, come on, guys. Come on, guys. Instead, your love for your wife, uh, it's this Greek word, a fun Greek word that everybody likes to point out in church. It's this word agape. This agape love, this unconditional, self-sacrificing love. Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, he wrote this. He said, it is not naked power. It is not the power of a dictator or a little tyrant. It is not the idea of a man who arrogates to himself certain rights and tramples upon his wife's feelings and so on and sits in the home as a dictator. No husband is entitled to say that he is the head of the wife unless he loves his wife. So, the reign of the husband is to be the reign and rule of love. It is a leadership of love. See, husbands, you don't get to sit in your home as a tyrant. You don't get to sit in your home and demand everything go your way. Instead, you have a responsibility to sacrificially, unconditionally love your wife. Love your wife. But see, I also find it interesting that not only does he tell us how to love as Christ loved the church, but he's going to give us some reasons here in a minute. But let's talk about this sacrificial love for just a minute. Okay, women are given reasons for how or why they submit to their husbands. But husbands, I think it's interesting, are told how to love their wives. Okay, and I think that's because men, we are typically a little bit slow on the uptake. Um, We don't always pick it up right away. So it's almost like Paul's writing this. He's like, wives, I know you already know what this looks like. So here, I'm just going to tell you why you do it. Husbands, you need to learn how to do this. Come on, here's how you do this. Okay, verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Now, how did Jesus love the church? How did he love her? How did he show his love for her? Well, he showed his love for her by by saying, I'll love you so much that he was literally willing to pour out his life for her. To lay down his life for the church. Now, does that mean that you physically have to physically die for your wife to know that you really love her? <laughs> I hope not, because that kind of ends the marriage relationship also. Um, I did have a guy make a joke to me about that. Like he, he told me this week, he said, I really wanted to show her I loved her, but she'd get, she'd get mad at me if I died. So um, 
Anyway, yeah, that's that. But anyway, how did he love? Well, he laid down everything for her. Husbands, that's how we are to love our wives. He gave up his life for her betterment. Um, Men, what that means is that we need to give up our rights, our wants, our desires to make our wives better. To make much of our wives. To show them the love that we have for them. Now, understand, also, he doesn't say, lay down everything so that she'll be happy. Now, I hope that your wives are happy. Some of you are thinking, well, my wife's usually not very happy with me. Well, maybe that's because you're not loving well. But, um, and I think ultimate happiness will come as a result of this. But the first goal is not happiness. That's not what Paul says, is it? Happiness isn't the goal. Holiness is the goal. You lay down your life to make her better. That's the first reasons husbands are to love. And that's what we find here. It's for the purity of the bride. For the purity of his wife. For the holiness of his wife. He says, love your wives. And then he gives this example. He says that Jesus did this to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. Men, the way that you treat your wife should make her more holy, should make her more like Christ. Are you leading in that direction? Although the church certainly needs godly women who have a tremendous impact on generation and generation. And in case you want an example of that, um, uh, I encourage you to go, go read 2 Timothy chapter 1. And you're going to read about Lois and Eunice there and the impact they had on the church. So uh, there's some other reading, but I'm going to run out of time if I go to it. Um, as much as we need godly women, we need strong godly men who will lead their wives and their families to be holy. We need men to step up and lead. To be men. Um, especially in a culture where men are taught, well, just push that down the road a little further. Keep being a boy. Don't be a man yet. You'll have plenty of time for that, like in your 60s. Men, be men. Young men, be men. Like, be godly men. Lead out. We need men to treat and lead their wives to make them more holy. Although the church does need those women, we cannot overemphasize the role of men. The problem is men have some tendencies. Either we are lazy um, and we don't lead because of our complacency, um, or men get caught up in their own little world. Um, Guys, you ever experienced this? Or wives, have your husbands ever experienced this? Um, They're so focused on those things that are right in front of them that they don't see anything other than what's right there. I, I certainly know that's me. Um, I kind of get wrapped up in my own little world from time to time, and I ignore everything outside of it. And for that reason, oftentimes I'm unloving, not because I want to be unloving, but because I'm short-sighted. So we struggle with that. I know we struggle with that. Um, I would argue that's one of the reasons it's not good for the man to be alone that we talked about last week. But men, I would like to ask you this question. Actually, I'm going to ask you a series of questions, Um, not just one. Men, if you are not leading your family... In the word, who is? Is anyone? Are you leading your family in the word? I mean, if you are not leading your family in prayer, who is? If you're not leading, who is? If you're not prioritizing the church in service to the church, then who is? I would contend that you have a tremendous responsibility to lead your wife and your children in these areas and pray for their holiness, even over and above their happiness. Because ultimate happiness will come from holiness. Okay? And that's one reason. Um, 
Men are to love their wives. It's for the eternal good as they seek their purity, her purity. Um, Second reason is for the unity of the husband and the wife. Why should you love your wife? Well, because you have a fundamental unity with your wife. Um, Now, I'm not trying to encourage men to be selfish. Um, That's not what I want. But husbands, I want you to understand this. You cannot possibly bless your wife without blessing yourself. You can't do it. It's impossible to bless your wife without blessing yourself. We get to verse 28. He says, In the same way, husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Um, I'll just give you an example and kind of what this is like. Y'all, I don't like to drink water. Um, Steph loves this joke. She loves this joke. I tell her all the time, I don't drink water because there's water and coffee and soda, and I'll get all my water from that. Um, And that is a joke, y'all. That's a terrible way to live, and you're going to be dehydrated and in really bad shape. Um, But, effectively, maybe that is how I live sometimes. Um, Now, there are times, uh, water's good, right? I played basketball yesterday, and it felt good to take a break and go go take a drink. Like, I I wanted water. Um, But then there are other times I don't so much want it. Um, but I know I have to drink it because it's good for me, right? Okay, so y'all, y'all tracking with that. Why do you love your wives? Well, there might be times that you want to love your wife. There might be times that it's easy to love your wife. Um, but there's going to be other times where it's not so easy. And you really, I'll just be honest with you, there's times that you're not going to want to love your wife. You're not going to want to sacrificially give for your wife. Y'all ever experienced those times? Please don't raise your hands. There are going to be times you don't want to love your wife. But you do it anyway. Why? Why would you do it anyway? Because it's good for you. Because it's good for you. So why should you love your wife? Because it's good for you. See, you can't do anything to your wife or for your wife without doing it to yourself. That's what we need to understand. There's this fundamental connection. And this really flows from what we talked about last week, that the two became one flesh. Husbands, if you love your wives, you're really treating yourself well. You're doing good. Um, so yeah, the husband and wife are fundamentally tied together. Um, I love this quote. Again, I'm going to quote Martin Lloyd-Jones because I, I love this, and this is really good. He wrote this. He said, on the practical level, therefore, the whole of the husband's thinking must include his wife also. Okay, I'm going to pause there for just a minute. Does that describe your marriage relationship? That in everything you do, you consider how it affects your wife also? Um, that would probably be pretty convicting if we would stop and just think about that. Okay? On the very practical level, therefore, the whole of the husband's thinking must include his wife also. He must never think of himself in isolation or detachment. The moment he does so, he has broken the most fundamental principle of marriage. In a sense, the moment a man thinks of himself in isolation, he has broken the marriage. And he has no right to do that. And there's a sense in which he cannot do it because the wife is a part of himself. But if it happens, he is certain to inflict grievous damage on his wife. And it is damage in which he himself will also be involved because she is a part of him. Husbands, like, hear me, hear me. Like, anything that you do to your wife or anything that you do, period, has an impact on her. Why? Because you are one. We have got to stop this thinking of, well, I have my life, she has her life, and well, we kind of live separate lives, but we're, we're still married, and we, we have part of our life that we share together, but then we have our other separate... No. Anything and everything that you do has an impact on your wife. Everything. Why? Because the two are one. One flesh. There's nothing that we can do that we shouldn't be asking ourselves, how is this going to impact my wife? 
everything we should consider how it's going to impact our wife. Why? Because she is a part of us. So men, while I'm going to tell you don't do anything negative because that's going to impact your wife, I'm also going to tell you make sure that you do good things for your wife because you can't do good things for your wife without doing good to yourself. So love your wives. Okay? There's three reasons wives should submit their husbands, two reasons husbands sacrificially love their wives. All of this coming from one glorious picture of Christ and His church. Verse 32. Verse 32. It says, This mystery is profound, but I am talking about Christ and the church. As a believer, um, there is no greater reason to submit to God's picture for marriage than this. There's not a bigger reason. Not one. Anywhere. Your marriage reflects what you believe about Christ and His church. Your marriage reflects what you believe about Christ and His church. Husbands, if you would want to let the world, if you want to let the world know what Christ means to you, show the world by sacrificially loving your wife. That's what it says, right? Because that shows how Christ loves His church. And wives, if you want to show people how much Jesus means to you, submit to your husbands because it's a reflection of the way the church submits to Christ. See, whenever people look at Christian marriage, they should see something different from what they see in the rest of the world. Huh. Would you all say that's true right now? See, I'm thoroughly convinced that the reason that the reason so few people look to the church for answers is because the church has become so much like the rest of the world. Why would the, why would the world look to the church for answers whenever we seem like we're just like the rest of the world? I mean, we could talk about divorce rates amongst church people and unchurched people, and we'll see that they're not near as different as we would like for them to be. Or we could talk about, well, just look at the marriages within the church. Do they look different from those people who are not married? Or not married, not in the church. Man, I am struggling to talk today, y'all. I joke with my family all the time and tell them I'm a professional talker. Um, I am struggling with that profession today. I'm convinced people don't look to the church because they don't see a difference. And I think that's because we have bought into the cultural norms or those things which are culturally acceptable instead of looking to God's word for the answers. Uh, and if those things clash, many in the church, unfortunately, they have sided with the culture rather than God's word. Um, that cannot be true of us. Do you, know, do you know what that does to the picture of Christ in his church? Do you know what that does whenever we look like the rest of the world? At, at best... At the very best, if we look like the rest of the world, it distorts the picture of Christ in the church. It waters it down. That's the best case scenario. Worst case scenario, it mars the picture of Christ in his church beyond all recognition. Um, And that's a real problem. The point is, as believers, marriage must be upheld, protected, and lived out according to Scripture. Because the way we view our marriages is a reflection of how we view our Savior. We have to have biblical marriages because it reflects what we think of Jesus. Um, So what? Well, here's kind of where rubber meets the road, at least for me. Um, And I ask myself, what does this look like? What does this look like? Um, And I've heard some analogies that are helpful but incomplete, and I'm going to share two of them. And one of them I I think is more helpful than the other. The first one, um, and I don't know that I love this one, uh, but I've heard heard some people say that uh, this basically means that we, husband and wives, because they are created equal, um, and they are both equal parts of the body, just one happens to be the head. Um, that means that they, they both have an equal vote, but the husband is the tiebreaker. Um, now, husbands, don't be lording that over your wives. <laughs> um, but here's the one that I like. Okay? I've heard of it kind of like this. This is an analogy that I really like. Okay? 
Um, husbands, you're the, thermo- you're the thermostat in your house. You are the thermostat in your marriage. You control the temperature. How you lead will have a direct impact on your wife. Now, I've also heard that wives are the thermometer, which, by the way, has an important role to play even with the thermostat. Thermostat's not going to be turned up or down if you don't know what the temperature is. So don't misunderstand. Wives, you have a very important role, but husbands, you set the temperature up or down. You make it. If it's too hot, well, then you need to cool it down. If it's too cold, you need to turn it up. Um, husbands, trust me, your wives will let you know what the temperature is. Um, if you don't know for sure, just ask her, and she'll let you know. Um, make sure that you're on good terms before you do that, though, or it's going to get ugly real fast. Um, in our lives, honestly, there have been times where I've struggled with this. Um, I remember before we made the decision to come to Christian Fellowship, and this was kind of a, a pivotal moment in our marriage and in our life. Um, it's kind of a big deal. You know, we moved towns, and anyway, um, we were talking whether we should do this thing or not, and I, I consulted my wife which I think is right. I asked her for her input, how she felt about it, and we talked about it, and we talked about it, and we talked about it. And I'll be honest with you, what I was trying to do in that moment was lay down my, my responsibility as the head of my family. Um, I struggled, and I wanted her to make the decision rather than making it myself. And it wasn't... We went back and forth for a long time, and I'm not going to say I made this decision in isolation because I certainly didn't. Um, but it was whenever I realized, Jared, I have a, you have a responsibility to lead your family. Make the decision. Um, it wasn't until that happened that we finally made a decision and we were on board. And I think for the most part, it's been a good decision. Um, we've struggled. We have had some good times, some bad times over the last three years. We've had some things that have been easy, some things that have been pretty hard. Um, but the point I'm trying to make is my wife, she, she didn't need to make that decision. She needed her husband to lead. Now, don't misunderstand. I'm very thankful that I had her input. Um, but I tried to give that up. And I was, the problem was I, was I was being weak and passive rather than leading. Um, and it did. It was hard. It caused problems because I was not fulfilling my role. Um, my point is this. Husbands, you need to be strong and lead. Not in a domineering way but in a way that shows your wife that you love her and that you're confident in the way that God's leading your family. Um, so, lead your family. Um, now, last thing I want today is for someone to think that I'm saying that wives should have no voice in a marriage. That's the very last thing I want because it's easy to say wives submit and men lead and think, well, that means that wives should just be quiet and not talk. Um, that would be a very dangerous thing to say in this room right now. <laughs> We have some strong women in this room, and I'm very thankful for the strong women in this room. As a matter of fact, I was talking to somebody about this just this week, and they said, Jared, you're married to one of the strong women. I'm like, yeah, oh, I know. Um, but let me just tell you, wives, since I've beat up on our men for just a minute, wives, there is something to you submitting your hus- to your husbands, submitting to your husbands that will make him a better leader. Um, don't try to usurp his God-given role. Encourage your husband to step up and lead and to be strong, um, and use your voice to do that. All right, so that's how I want to encourage you. And whenever we do this well, we represent Jesus well. And Paul sums all this up. Um, and again, I told you I've been reading this book that Lisa gave to me called Love and Respect. And he sums it up. And this book is all based off of this, this verse, verse 33. He says, each one of you, men, each one of you is to love his wife as himself. Men, love your wives as yourself. You care for yourself, right? Love and care for your wives. But he goes on. He says, and the wife is to respect her husband. 
See, God puts something in us. Women, I know you need to feel loved. You need to know that your husband loves you. Men, you need to show her that. But ladies, your husband needs to know he's respected. Needs to know that you, have, that you respect him unconditionally, which is something that rubs us kind of wrong because we don't understand unconditional respect. We think of earning respect. You don't respect your husband because he's earned it. You respect your husband because that's what God has told you to do. Respect your husband. And whenever we show unconditional love to our wives and wives, whenever you show unconditional respect to your husbands, our marriages, our church, and far more are going to be revolutionized. And I think that we'll see the impact for generations. So there's my, my word to you from, from God today. Let's pray. Father, um, first of all, I would like to ask forgiveness um, for myself. And I know that I've got brothers in the room that would like to ask forgiveness and it's also, but Lord, I, I pray that you would forgive me for not loving my wife as you loved your church. Because uh, that's what you've commanded me to do. Uh, so Lord, I pray that you would help me. That you would teach me. That you would lead me as I lead my family. As I lead my wife. As I lead my children. Uh, God, I can't do it on my own because I know my own tendencies. I know my own flawed, sinful heart. God, and I pray that you would change that that you would lead me as I lead my family. Father, and I want to pray for the wives in this room. Um, Lord, I pray that you would give them the boldness to submit to their husbands, um, that you would show them how to do that well and to trust their husbands, to respect their husbands. Um, so, Lord, I pray that you would, you would show them. I pray that you would forgive them whenever they don't do that. Lord, I pray that you would forgive wives for not respecting their husbands, for not submitting to their husbands, and that you would lead them to do that better. Um, Lord, but I want to pray for us as a church that, uh, that you would forgive all of us, Lord, because we have distorted this picture of, of your son and your church. Uh, Lord, we have distorted it by not honoring marriage the way that you've shown us to. Uh, so, Lord, I pray for forgiveness. But Lord, then I pray that you would help us to go and follow you, to walk in step with your spirit, and to, to, really, to really uphold this glorious picture of Christ in his church. So Lord, I pray for your help, because apart from your help, we will fail and fail and fail. So Father, I pray that you would do that work in us. Lord, I also know that there are some in this room today that are not married and really have no interest in being married. But Lord, I pray that you would lead them, that you would show them this picture. And that as a result of seeing this picture, they might better be able to encourage their friends and family and loved ones. That they might be able to talk to those around them in a way that encourages them to uphold your picture for marriage. Because of what it represents. Uh, so, Lord, I pray that you would help us all to serve you more faithfully as we, as we uphold this picture. Uh, so, Father, be here with us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.